Let's hold our Bibles in our hands, make this confession together. Uh, Father, I thank you that your word has the power to change my life. Today I give heed to it. I allow it to go into my ears, then into my mind, and then into my spirit. I'm a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, and I'll never be the same after today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we think of someone who did make it, we think of a person, however close they came maybe to not making it, who successfully navigated the potential dangers in the area that we're thinking about. Tammy was uh, up here just a couple of weeks ago talking about the Wright brothers and how the, the Wright brothers made it, but they almost didn't. They came really close. They came close to giving up several times, but they actually pushed through and made it and successfully navigated the potential dangers. It's possible to make it in one area and not make it in another area. It's possible to make it into marriage and have a great, great marriage, but your business doesn't make it. And so we're going to talk about five reasons why people don't make it. Because this could apply to you. You may be looking over your life going, well, no, this is good. Well, my marriage is good. This is good. That's good. But most people have at least one area of their life where we can, we can celebrate the successes, and we should. But most people have at least one area of their life that needs some attention because if you don't give attention to it, you may not make it in that, in that one area. Am I preaching to the right crowd? Okay, so let's talk about the five reasons people don't make it. Number one, they don't ask for help. They don't ask for help. We're a faith church here. We believe that God is not our problem. God is our solution to the problems that either the enemy, the devil creates for us or we create for ourselves. And, uh, and at the same time, we don't want to create an environment here where people who have problems, challenges, or difficulties don't feel comfortable coming and expressing those. Somebody needs to be able to come and say, I have, I have a problem. Now, we know the power of our words, the power of our confession. We're very careful about what we speak. In fact, we're very careful about what we sing up here. There are a lot of songs in, uh, in Christianity now about, you know, how tough life is and life life is awful and I've got so many problems I don't think I'm gonna make it Lord Jesus come quickly we don't sing those songs here you can listen to them on Caleb if you want to but we're not singing them and the reason is because we believe in the power of our words and the power of the spoken word and that the power of our words the Bible says death and life are in the power of our tongue and so we want to sing and speak uh, words of life at the same time we don't want to create an environment where somebody doesn't feel comfortable coming in saying I have a problem I need to, I've got some difficulty. I, I need some prayer. I, I, it's, it's okay to even say, if this is a stage that, that you're at in your life and in your uh, walk with God, it's even okay for someone to come up to you and say, I need some help. I'm afraid. I don't think I'm going to make it. Don't preach at somebody like that. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Don't let that come out of your mouth. Don't do that. We need to love people. We need to care for people. We need, to, we need to get people to the point where they actually believe that, where they understand that, that God has not given them a spirit of fear. And we need to watch our words. And at the same time, we want to create an environment where people can come and find help. 
You're going to have a really hard time when you go to the doctor because you've got, uh, because you've got a sore throat, but because you don't want to make a negative confession, you don't tell him what's wrong. Uh, yes, sir, how can I help you today? Uh, what's wrong? Oh, nothing, nothing's wrong. I'm victorious in Christ. Okay, great. So why did you come to see me today? I need help. Okay, great. Where do you need help? Well, I don't, uh, in Jesus' name, I'm healed by the power of God, by the Word of God. Okay, so why are you, can, you, can anybody see how ridiculous this is? So we don't want to do that at church either. We want people to be able to come to church and say, I need prayer. I need help. I'm experiencing some difficulty, and we want to help them through that. And we don't want to create an environment where people will not ask for help. In Mark chapter 10, I had you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10. It says, Jesus said this about the kingdom of God. Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. I assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter into it. Now, children differ in many ways. Some are taller, some are shorter. Some are red-headed, some are black-headed, some are white-headed. Not white-headed, blonde-headed is what I meant to say still see myself as a child you know young young. you know so children are you know some are real sweet some are real sweet you know children um do pardon me a second do we have the lights dimmed a little bit i can't see it can we turn the lights up just a little bit uh it's dark is it dark out there is it can you guys see your bible's okay or is it a little dark for you People are saying it's dark out here. They can't see their Bibles. Can we turn the lights up a little bit? Thank you guys so much for doing that. Um, so what was I saying? So children are different in a lot of different ways. But w- one way that children are all the same is that all children need help. Whether they acknowledge it or not, they all need help. How many of you know babies need help? They need help with everything. They can't do anything for themselves. So we have, we have to feed them, we have to change them, we, have to, you know, we have even have to read their minds and try to figure out why they're crying. All, all of these things we have to do. For, and then as children grow up, they still need help. And sometimes our children can grow up a uh, little miss independent. No, I can do it. And so probably one of the best things you can do is just let them do it. And then when they fall and bonk their noggin, then they realize that they need to ask for help. One of the hardest things to do with a strong-willed child is to teach them you need to ask for help ask for help teach your children to ask for help asking for help is a good thing um, and so one of the things the, the very first thing I just wanted to mention to you about the five reasons that people don't make it is people don't ask for help in Exodus chapter 14 Exodus chapter 14 the Israelites if you want to turn Exodus 14 10 the Israelites have are leaving Egypt they actually have left Egypt they through a series of plagues God has uh, gotten Pharaoh to release the Israelites and he releases them the Israelites go to their neighbors and uh, and say uh, I, I want the stuff out of your house I want your gold I want your silver I want your clothes I want and they just wanted to get them out of there because they were tired of the plagues yes take it all just get out and so the Israelites get their stuff and they go out into the wilderness and then Pharaoh 
Um, the Israelites are camped at the Red Sea beginning their journey and Pharaoh realizes that he's lost his whole labor force. Three million Israelites have left and so he changes his mind and go, goes after them. And when the Israelites see them in verse, uh, verse 10, Exodus 14, 10, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And look at what the children of Israel do. First of all, the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, you've taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now, first of all, now that, may, that looks really negative to us and there's a lot of negative connotations to this, but there are two things I want you to see. First of all, when the Israelites realized there was a problem, they realized that Pharaoh was after them and they were afraid. The first thing they did was cry out to God. Then the second thing that they did was lay out their case to Moses and tell Moses what the, the, the issue is. However emotional that they were about it. Now Moses knows what to do. When you go back to uh, verses 1 through 4 of that chapter, God tells Moses ahead of time, you're going to take him out the wilderness, go to the Red Sea, camp there, and Pharaoh's coming after you. Moses knew this already. He was not surprised by this. And so you need to realize that when you go to people, when you go to your leadership or you go to people who are more mature than you are in situations, they oftentimes already know what you're dealing with. Notice Moses doesn't, doesn't get stressed out like everybody else. Sometimes we have a hard time receiving help from somebody else because they don't get stressed like we are. They look like they don't care. They do care, it's just they, they already know. They've already been there. They've already seen it. They already know what your situation is. I'm dying here. Can you help me? Yeah, just do this. And it looks like that they're not emotionally connected to us when they actually are. It's just that, so Moses doesn't fall apart. He just says, okay, here's what I want everybody to do. And he tells them exactly what to do. And I want, I want you to notice this. The, is, the Israelites have just begun their journey. They just started this, this is brand new. They got a 40-year trek in the wilderness, and this is day one. When you embrace something new in your life, the immediate challenges that, are, that arise are opportunities for God to prove his presence and his power. See, God told Moses, now that you guys are out, you're at the Red Sea, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart on purpose, and I'm going to make him come after you on purpose. Because I want the Israelites to see my power when I deliver them. Do you realize that when we have challenges, those are opportunities for us to see and experience God's power. Wouldn't life be great if there weren't any problems? The only thing is, if there weren't any challenges and difficulties and issues for us to deal with, then we would never see God do anything. It's great to, to be able to say, yep, the Pharaoh was on me. I had no place to go, and God delivered me. We all love those testimonies, but there aren't any of those testimonies unless you have some Pharaohs in your life, unless you have some armies challenging you. This is good preaching, and you guys are sleeping. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. 
ask doesn't say just hang around God will figure it out God knows what you need and so just ignore the situation it says ask and so that's what the Israelites did they they first of all cried out to God then they went to Moses and now you know they could have worded it better but at least they went to Moses and said we got an issue and we're afraid and we think we're gonna die out here and Moses knew what to do James chapter 1 verse 5 says if any man lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives liberally and doesn't hold it back that's a really Bible way of saying this if any of you doesn't know what to do ask just ask imagine the marriages and the businesses that would have been saved if people had just asked for help imagine the people that would still be walking with God if they just asked for help imagine what your life would be like in that one area I don't know what that one area is for you I have an area anybody else have an area anybody else have an area that you go this is good and that's good but if I had just asked somebody to help me over here just me if I just asked somebody to help me with this right here it would have turned out completely differently Sunday September 17th by the way I want to put this plug in because we're really excited about this Sunday chap uh, Sunday September 17th is national back to church Sunday and we are going I'm uh, teaching a series there about overcoming the odds I'm starting a series on that day called overcoming the odds we're going to be inviting our community and we're going to be doing random acts of kindness in the community to connect people in our community with this message about how they can overcome the odds of of being sick the odds of all the different odds out there of, of failure uh, God gives us his favor to be able to walk through life and to be able to accomplish his will and plan a purpose and so I'm excited about delivering this message imagine the help that people will find here we want to be sure we don't uh, develop a culture where people are afraid to ask for help we want to develop a culture of asking for help we want new people to come in and watch you asking for help uh, I especially want to speak to the men here men we're notorious for not asking for help not asking for directions I'll figure it out I, hey I'm t I, I don't I hate asking for directions yeah Connie says why don't we stop and ask that man look at that man does he look as smart as me that man doesn't know where we're at I know where we're at you know I've driven around and around and around till I had to ask for help I listen I'm a typical man but listen guys let's develop a culture in our families and in our church where people see us asking for help because it makes them more comfortable asking for help number two the five reasons why people don't make it number one they don't ask for help number two they don't follow the help that they ask for in Exodus chapter 14 verse 21 Moses stretched out his hand over the sea you know when Pharaoh is is right bearing down on them he stretched out his hand over the sea remember the Israelites came to Moses and said we're gonna die out here you gotta help us and so Moses stretches out his hand over the sea the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided so the children of Israel went in the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left those walls may have been a 
100 feet high on either side, dry ground. This is the Red Sea. This is not a little stream. This is a, this is a big sea. Three million people crossed that sea. And you know what? We, we're always dogging the Israelites because they did this wrong and they did that wrong. And they did a lot of stuff wrong. They made a golden calf. They complained in the wilderness. All of this. But you know, I'm amazed that they actually did this. Moses stretches out his staff, speaks to the water, the water opens, dry ground, then he looks at three million Israelites and says, okay, cross over. I'm wondering how many of us would have done that. I mean, I'm going to get, you know, there's, there are these two big walls of water, maybe 100 feet high, maybe higher than that, I don't know. And so they go down in there and they cross it, and so they actually followed the help and the instructions that Moses gave them that they asked for. I used to, I've told this, if you've been at this church for a while, I've told this before, but it's, it's just such a, a great, I just think it's a great illustration. Uh, years ago, when the children were young, I used to work in a, a hospital emergency room, and uh, I, I loved that. I loved working in the hospital emergency room. And we had a nurse in there, a male nurse named Keith. And Keith was really, really sharp. I've seen many times people come in with all different kinds of things, and I've seen doctors turn to Keith, an RN, and say, what do we do, Keith? And Keith knew. I mean, he, Keith was sharp, sharp, sharp. And, uh, but Keith had no patience for people who would not let you treat him. No patience whatsoever. And I, I saw many times he'd come in, you know, and say, okay, first of all, we're going to take you to x-ray, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. And I've seen patients go, uh, no, I, no, I don't want any x-rays. I've seen him just jerk the coverage back and say, okay, get out. One time, a rescue squad got in. Some of you will get upset at this, but I'll never forget it. A rescue squad brought a guy in who was having a heart attack. They brought him in, wheeled him in the gurney, and Keith came in. I don't know what was in it, but he had a hypodermic needle. He said, I'm going to give you a little shot here. And the guy said, I don't want a shot. So Keith jerked the covers off of him. He said, then get out. The guy said, what? He said, get out. I got a whole waiting room full of people who want help. If you don't want help, get out, and let's give this room to somebody else. And he turned and walked out of the room. And as he walked, one of the guys from the rescue squad was standing there, and he said, that guy can't walk out of here. He'll die. And Keith just grinned and he said he won't get far. <laughs> and just as Keith was turning the corner to go out of the room, the guy said, uh, 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 get that guy back here. I'll take that shot now. But it's amazing. You know, uh, can I be transparent with you? Sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I feel like telling people that in my office. Or they come to me and they say, I've got this problem, that problem, the other problem. I really need help. And I tell them what to do. And they go, I, you know, I don't really fed, feel led to do that. <laughs> do you know how many people wanted the appointment I gave to you to help you? And if you're not going to do it, it's, people don't follow the help that they asked for. Imagine the marriages and the businesses that would have been saved if people had just followed the help that they'd asked for. Imagine the people that would still be walking with God if they had followed the help that they asked for. Imagine what your life would be like, what my life would be like if I just followed the help that I asked for. Number three, five reasons why people don't make it. They ask for help from the wrong people and in the wrong places. Now, in Numbers, I just bragged on the Israelites, but uh, 
in Numbers chapter 14, when the Israelites run out of food, Numbers chapter 14 verse 4 says, they said to one another, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Instead of going to Moses, instead of going to God like they did when they got to the Red Sea, they just said to each other, you know what, let's just go back to Egypt. And let's get food there. Let's go back to Egypt and let them help us. Rather, yeah, God parted the Red Sea, but so what? It was some kind, I'm sure it was trick photography or something. We'll, you know, we'll, let's go back to Egypt. Of course, you know, to go back to Egypt, they got to cross this Red Sea going back. Wonder what their plan was to do that. But it says, it doesn't just say, though, let's go back to Egypt. They said, let's find a leader and go back to Egypt. You know, you can always find somebody to lead you in the wrong direction. You know, always find somebody that'll do that. In John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus tells the woman at the well, if she knew who he was, she would ask him for help. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. I was at a business a business leaders meeting this has been several years ago with uh, a couple in our church uh, Aaron and Lisa Schmidt who who are in business and I was uh, at a business meeting with them just there to support them and listen Aaron was making a present business presentation that night and I'll never forget something that Aaron said he said never ask for financial advice from someone who's less successful than you are some of you are looking at me like you already knew that so why are you getting financial advice from your brother-in-law? I'll, I'll move on. You don't like that. I'll move on. Usually, the wrong people are readily available with advice. And the right people must be pursued. Sometimes we just take the advice that's the closest, not realizing, you know, everybody's got an opinion. How many, of you, how many in here have an opinion on everything? Raise your hand if you have an opinion on everything. You know, I know it's not, I do. It doesn't matter. I mean, you can ask me about something I've never done before, and I got an opinion. There are a lot of people that'll give you opinions on things, but what you need to do is figure out before you start getting opinions, you need to start asking yourself, who is it that could really help me? And then you need to pursue them. Pursue them, pursue them, pursue them. It may take you six months to be able to see them. I remember uh, one time Connie and I got an appointment with uh, Pastor uh, Yonggi Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world, has a million members in his church in Korea. I've had, I don't know how many pastors, I've had dozens of pastors when they find out, I said, how did you get in to see him? I asked him if I could come and see him. And he said, yes. And I flew over and I saw him. And, you know, it's, it's just, a, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And there, when people find out you're serious about, uh, about your career or you're serious about your marriage or you're serious about your, your situation, it's amazing the people that will make time with, for you when they think that you're actually serious. Imagine the marriages and the businesses that would have been saved if people had just asked for help from the right people. Imagine the people that would still be walking with God if they had asked for help from the right people. Imagine what your life would be like in that one area we're talking about if you'd asked for help from the right people. Number four, five reasons why people don't make it. Number four, you learn anything? Is this helpful? Number four, 
They ask for help too late. <laughs> Think about it. Exodus chapter, where is that? Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and their, their cry came up before God and God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them and then chapter 3 Verse 1 starts with Moses at the burning bush. God sent them a deliverer. So the children of Israel lived in Egypt for 430 years. Most of those years were spent in slavery. And after 430 years, the Bible says they cried out to God. God heard them and God sent them a deliverer. I wonder what would have happened if they cried out to God after 50 years. After five years. After a year and eight months. Wonder what it would have happened if they'd cried out to God and asked for help, but instead, 430 years they went through this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says that God gives us grace to help in the time of our need. God will give us grace to help in the time of our need. So let's ask for help when we need it. Let's don't, let's don't, what are we waiting on? So often people wait and wait and wait. Let's admit it. While most of us have convinced ourselves that our situation is getting better, it's actually getting worse. What are we waiting for? Let's ask for help. I don't want to harp on this too much because I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but I'll tell you, there are, I, I can't count the number of times that wives have gone to their husbands and said, honey, we need help in our marriage. We need help. We need to go see somebody. We need to go talk to somebody. We need help in our marriage. And the husband says, no, nah, we'll, nah, well, listen, we can deal with it. We'll take care of it. No, nah, I mean, what's the big deal? It's, it's going to be okay. And I mean, that goes on sometimes for months and months, sometimes years and years. Guys, listen to me. If you don't listen to your wife, some guy at work or down the street in your neighborhood is going to listen to her. I'm not, I'm not condoning that wives leave their husbands, but I am seeing, I've seen this so many times where I get a call from a husband and says, uh, she left. She just walked out the door. She left me. And he's completely, he's just, he doesn't have a clue. And then when I, when I finally get her on the phone and talk to her, she says, I've told him for years. I was miserable. Our marriage is miserable. Our children are not happy. The only person that's happy in this marriage is him. He won't listen to anybody else, and I'm done. I already got a friend up the street. I already got a friend at work. I'm not, listen, I'm not, and I'm not advocating that. I'm just telling you that why, why is it that we wait so late? so long and of course then I get a call at two o'clock in the morning we've got to talk to you right now how long has this been going on oh, about three years three and a half years then it can wait till tomorrow it's awfully quiet in here imagine the marriages and the businesses I told you that I had a um, I had a business that didn't make it and can I tell you the main reason that business didn't make it is because I waited too late 
to ask for help. Just being transparent with you, is that okay? I waited too late to ask for help. I asked for help, but by the time I didn't, somebody came in to help me and looked at everything. They said, uh, you should have asked me this two years ago. I could have helped you then. I can't help you now. Quiet in here, isn't it? Imagine the marriages and the businesses that would have been saved if people had not waited too late to ask for help. The people who would still be waiting, would still be walking with God if they hadn't waited too late to ask for help. Imagine what your life would be like in that one area. Everybody identified one area? I have. Anybody else? Imagine what your life would be like in that one area if we hadn't waited too late to ask for help. And number five. Y'all okay? I see a lot of people writing. That's good. You guys are smart. The ones that are writing are smart because the ones who are not writing are going to be calling you in three months saying, uh, I need help. Number five. We don't remain accountable for the help we've received. We don't remain accountable for the help we've received. First Kings chapter 3, verse 5 tells us that the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, ask. Solomon is David's son. Solomon is the, uh, inherits the throne of David. And God appears to... Solomon and says ask me for anything and I'll give it to you look at verse 9 therefore Solomon says give me an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this thing then God said to Solomon because you have asked this thing for wisdom and have not asked for long life of yourself you have not asked for riches for yourself. You have not asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself for understanding to discern justice. Behold, I've done according to your words. See, I give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And also, I give you what you've not asked for, riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all of your days. Solomon asked for God's help and became the richest and wisest man in the world. But then in 1 Kings chapter 11, I realize this is not a, we've had all this preaching this week, Israel Campbell, and we've all stood up and shouted and waved our hankies. I want you to think this morning. I want you to think with me. Is that okay? 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the uh, Sidonians, and Hittites. From the nations whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For so it was when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. Solomon was the wisest, richest, most successful, most honorable man in the world. But Solomon did not stay accountable to God. Can you imagine what would have happened if every morning Solomon had gotten in God's presence and said, God, I just want to live my life to please you. You've blessed me with wisdom and with honor and with riches. I'm such a blessed man. And today, I want to be sure that my life 
honors you. Show me if there's anything in my life that needs to be changed. Can you imagine if Solomon did that every single morning, we wouldn't be reading this. Staying accountable. I always like to, uh, and Connie does, and I know our coaching team, Connie's, Connie heads up our coaching teams here at the ministry, and our coaching teams, they don't, they don't just like to meet with somebody one time and say, okay, here's some advice, have a nice life. They want to know, so the next week, how are you doing? Two weeks from then, so how are you, did you do what we told you to do? I mean, they, Connie has a policy. If she gives you a homework assignment to do, if you meet with her or her team, and they give you a homework assignment to do, and you, don't, you come back and you don't do it, then they don't meet with you again until you do. Accountability. Accountability. Are we actually accountable for the help that we've received? There's such a thing as mid-course corrections. Sometimes as we're moving through our lives and we're headed one way, there's something that needs to be corrected. We got some really good advice and some really good help. And so as we're moving forward there, there's something that needs to be corrected. And we need to pay attention to that. And so getting help, this all four of these are great, but you have to also make yourself accountable for the help that you receive and don't expect the people that you get help from to make you accountable you make yourself accountable to them remember people that the best advice come from comes from the people that the best advice comes from are people you have to pursue they are not people that are going to pursue you so we also need to pursue them with our accountability I know that you, thank you for this advice. Do you mind if I call you in a, in a month and let you know what progress that I'm making and make ourselves accountable? Is this making sense to anybody? Where does all this help come from? We talked about getting help. You need help with this. You need help with that. You need help with your business. You need help. We need help with our marriages. We need help in a lot of different areas. And there are, I want you to take, I want you to help me as a church to take the shame off of asking for help. Everybody stand up. Say, Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve. No, you got to do your hand like this. Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve. I'm going to help you. Take the shame off of asking for help. You may be seated. Y'all look sleepy. I want to help you a little bit. I want you to help me take the shame off of asking for help. Where does this help come from? First of all, God's put people in your life, and all of us need each other. None of us is an island to themselves. None of us is a self-made man or a self-made woman. But listen, we're all a part of the body of Christ. We belong to each other. I said we're all a part of the body of Christ and we belong to each other we need to where does this help come from it comes from the people that God has put in your life number one number two listen to what's being taught listen to what comes from this platform these messages are prayed over God how many of you needed this message this morning that's at least half the congregation. And the reason I knew you needed this, I don't know you. I don't know who needs what. I'm asking the Holy Spirit, what do I teach on this morning? What does the congregation need? And so listen to what's being taught. Number third, number, number, third, number three, read your Bible for answers. Read your Bible. 
Those promise books that we give away, if you don't have one, go to the bookstore and, and buy one of, these, one of these promise books and read your Bible about your situation. Your help comes from the Lord. Number four, meetups. Get connected with a group of people, and uh, there are mature people in there that can help you. There are meetup leaders and group leaders that you can talk with them about your situation. Uh, also, coaching sessions if you need them. We have coaching teams in the ministry here of uh of professional coaches and trained coaches that will that will help you through your issues and then mature believers mature believers remember number two was was it number two or number three was um, number three was asking help from the wrong people be sure you ask for help from people who actually know more than you do people that know more than you do and the and the guy at the water cooler at work may not know as much as you do about your situation but Finding mature believers. You'll find those in your meetups. Finding mature believers. And our elders, every Sunday morning we have elders up here on either side of the platform to pray with you over your needs. And you can go to them and say, I need help. I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to pray for me because I'm going through this. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. And let these elders pray for you. It's always amazing to me how many people want to contact us saying, would you pray for this? Would you pray for that? Well, did you come up on Sunday and let the elders pray for you? Uh, no, I just, and listen, there's nothing. I don't want to go up and let the elders pray for me because everybody will see me come up there and they'll think I have a problem. We're all dealing with stuff. Probably all of us need to line up and let all these elders pray for us. Just allowing God to do things in your life through the body of Christ. Would you stand with me now for real? Say this after me. I'm going to make it in every area of my life. I'm going to make it. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to ask for help from the right people. I'm going to follow the help that I get. I'm going to ask for help on time. I'm not going to wait too late. And I'm going to make myself accountable for the help that I receive. I intend to be victorious and successful in every area of my life. And I refuse to let pride keep me from getting the help I need. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Did you get anything out of this message today? Amen. The best help we can get is from God. The best help that we can get is when we go to God. Even if there are other people, God, God puts people in your life. Oftentimes when you're saying, God, I need an answer, you don't open your mailbox and there's an envelope in there with a letter from God that has the answer you want. He almost always sends people into my life. Sometimes we listen to voices, God, I need an answer. And the answer's been speaking to you the whole time, but it was a person and we wanted a voice from heaven out of a cloud. But all these supernatural occurrences and God working in our life, all that happens because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Because of sin, all of us were separated from God. You know, this is, this is another thing. There are, there are people that, that are just ashamed to raise their hand and say, I need Jesus. I want to tell you something. When I raised, when Connie and I made a decision to follow Christ, we did it in front of the whole group. It wasn't bow your head, close your eyes, nobody look around, now raise your hand. It wasn't that. It was just, 
you know, if, if you want to serve God, listen, Jesus had the guts to die on the cross for you. You have the guts to say you want to follow Jesus Christ. And so we weren't even bowing our heads and closing our eyes. It was just, and we wanted God with our whole heart. And, there, and there, listen, there's no shame in that. We've all done it. We've all done it. And so if you're far from God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you, you've fallen away from the Lord, or maybe you've never been a follower of Jesus Christ today, the Holy Spirit's drawing men and women into the kingdom of God. And he's drawing you in. The Holy Spirit wants to come and live on the inside of you. Jesus wants to forgive all of your sins, wash all of your sins away. The Holy Spirit wants to live in you and make you victorious in every area of your life. But that comes when you make a decision to follow Christ. Would you bow your heads, please? Close your eyes with me. I mean, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand signifying that you want to pray a prayer with me, repenting for your sins, acknowledging that Jesus is the Lord of your life, and asking the Holy Spirit to come in and empower you to be the Christian that the Bible promises you that you can be. You can do that right there where you are. I'm going to pray this prayer with you right there where you're standing. So everybody that wants to pray this prayer with me and everybody that wants to make a decision to follow Christ, I want you to raise your hand right there where you are, real high. And I'm going to pray this prayer with you right there where you are. I see your hand. I see your hand back there. Who else? I see your hand right over there. God bless you, sweetheart. Anybody else? We've got several people who want to make decisions to follow Christ. Anybody else? Anybody else? You can put your hands down. We've got several people that raised their hands this morning who want to make decisions to follow Christ. So we're going to pray this prayer with you. We're all going to pray this prayer with you together because you're about to become our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Isn't that great, church? All right, let's bow our heads one more time and pray this prayer with them. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I thank you that you willingly came and paid the price for my sin with your death on the cross so that I could be free to serve you, free to spend eternity with you, and free to fulfill my destiny in you. I repent for my sins today. And I say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come and live on the inside of me now and empower me to be the Christian that the Bible promises me I can be. As I come to church and get involved in church life, my life will never be the same after this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a big hand for all those who made decisions to follow Christ. Amen. What a great day for you.